Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey, everyone. It's Eric Ocasio here with Leadership is Tricky on behalf of the Association of the United States Army today. I'm here with Sergeant Major of the Army, retired. Dane Daly. Yeah, the 15th Sergeant Major of the Army. Yeah, how you doing, Eric, Sar- Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So, uh, Sergeant Major Daly, uh, you you used to blow up my timeline on social media. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, I know you used to come around uh, uh, Europe to talk to soldiers, and uh, I sat in on a couple sessions as well. Um, and uh, yeah, you had a great Army career, and. Uh, uh, one, I want to thank you for your service. Thank um, you. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you for yours, too, as well. I appreciate yeah. it. And I know we're here off-site for, for AUSA mm-hmm. here in Europe uh, doing a uh, regional training, uh, leadership development type training, uh, where you guys are talking about your programs and, and what you guys are doing on behalf of the soldier. Um, so uh, here we are today. Uh, so leadership is tricky. Uh, we're in our fourth season, and uh, we're, we're exploring leaders and their experiences. And uh, for, for the audience, what I'd like to do is, you know, just we'll just tease out, you know, where you grew up and then yeah. your, your military journey and where we are today. So uh, I saw that you grew up in Pennsylvania. So tell me about your upbringing. And, and yeah, yeah. I grew up in a small town, northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, not many folks there. You know, it was part of the fall of the Industrial Revolution type of town. You know, it was a company town that was built um, as a regards uh, out of a factory. Okay. And literally, the I mean, the town was built by the factory. I mean, the houses, the you know, all the... Uh, leisure stuff was all run by the factory. Um, and my father uh, moved there after he served in the army um, okay. and from Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, just another small town up the road to pursue a career um, in uh, the telephone company that was based out of that town. And he was a communicator actually in the army. And that's what brought him down there. And that's what got him the job. I, I was one of four boys. Um, so and my mom and dad uh, were both hardworking. Uh, my mom worked in a mill. My father worked as a company guy in the Tuffle Company and uh, had a second job working at the hospital at night as well wow. to, to keep food on the table and a roof over our head. We were grew up pretty poor, but we were, we were not a broken family. I mean, my mom was very faith-based and kept us together and raised us boys uh, very honorable. Um, and I was an average student. You know, I just grew up in a small hometown environment, uh, small high school, and uh, but I was inspired at a young age by my father about service to our country. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you just followed in his footsteps, and uh, I guess uh, you guys weren't, you know, scared of hard work, and you guys got all that from your father and and mother as well. So yeah, we say we got our uh, our ethic, work ethic from our father, and our moral compass from our mom, uh, who kept us straight uh, and make sure we went to church every Sunday and raised us as Catholic boys in in that small town. And and uh, and you know, my entire life I was working hard and having dreams of leaving that town. Um, but I'll come back to it later is, you know, when I became an adult my entire life, I had dreams of trying to get back, you know? Yeah. 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 We can't wait to grow up and then we can't wait to, you know, go back and. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I know you kind of mentioned it, you know, your father was a soldier, Mm -hmm. right. And he he had a career in in the army. Mm -hmm. Um, so that kind of inspired you to serve. Um, so which leads me up to. The next question, you know, why the army? Yeah. Um, So for as long as I can remember as a child, my dad talked extremely positive about his time in the service. Now, he only served a few years. I mean, he joined um, during the Vietnam era. His brother was already in Vietnam. um, And because of that, he got sent to Germany. um, And he just told a story after story when we were little kids about 
service in the Army. And it gave him incredible opportunity. My dad didn't graduate high school. I mean, he joined the Army, and they made him a, a communication specialist. And, uh, and he told us the stories about when he got out, you know, there was, there was a big recession going on in the United States, lots of people who needed a job, um, and he got the job solely because, you know, he was a former soldier and a communication specialist. Um, and growing up poor, didn't have a lot of money for college. Uh, when I say not a lot, I mean none. And, uh, and he just talked to us about how he wished he would have stayed, right? So we were inspired at a young age through service because both of my grandfathers served in World War II as well. So uh, I, I signed up for the Army and, um, in high school, in 11th grade. I was 16 years old in the delayed entry program. I was uh, very motivated about joining the Army. I was the easy button for the recruiter. Right. And, uh, and then shortly after I graduated high school, I left. I was 17 years old and on my way to Fort Benning, Georgia at the time uh, to become a young infantryman. It's interesting. We have similar paths. So I, I went to delayed entry as well because, you know, I graduated early. And then I was like, ah, I'm going to go try this college thing out. But I wasn't old enough yet to, to join the military. Hmm. Uh, college was tough. So I went to delayed entry and I was like, oh, you know, this is all right. But I went to Fort Benning, Georgia as the first non-BCT hmm. uh, class to go through Fort Benning. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Fort, Fort Beginning is a great place. It's right. got a new name now. It's Fort Moore. Um, but... Uh, but it was a great experience. I bet you Sand Hill's still there, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> right. I'm sure it is. So, um, yeah, I, I was also inspired by my older brother who served. I mean, and again, he, he joined uh, the Army uh, as a mechanic, went to Korea, did his, uh, his initial tour and came home, you know, and that was his goal. I think we were all inspired to do that. I, we, I never joined the Army thinking I was going to stay there 30 years. Right. I mean, that wasn't my intent. I, um, you know, I, and I, I never said I was just going to do, you know, two or three years and come home either. I think that I ended up staying in the Army because um, I quickly f felt it was my calling. You know, I, I take credit um, to Staff Sergeant Davis, my first squad leader, when I was sitting in Germany. I remember the, the day in vivid color, sitting in the quad. He walks up to me, and back then they had reenlistment cards, you know, that the yeah. company reenlistment NCO would hand your squad leader. And he came out and said, hey, I want to talk to you about reenlistment. And I said, he goes, have you thought about it? I said, well, not really. I was serving my country and going home. You know, I was going to go back and use my GI Bill and go to college and, you know, and start my life. And he looked at me and said, hey, I think you'd be a great leader. I think you'd be a great NCO. So I'm going to send you to PLDC um, in Grafenbeer, Germany. And uh, let's see what you think when you come back. Right. And um, I was distinguished honor grad to that class. And I came back. I remember calling my father. Um, just a few nights after I returned back to Schweinfurt and said, um, I'm going to reenlist. I think I'm going to stay a while. And he said, I, he goes, that would really make me proud. Um, and from there on out, I, I fell in love with the Army. I, you know, I stopped back in my hometown and picked up my, uh, my bride-to-be for 30 years and, uh, and continued my uh, leadership journey throughout the Army for the next uh, 27 years following my first door. Right. Yeah. Man, that's, that's kind of amazing, right? I think you got it right. You know, if you wouldn't have came into your life and handed you one of those reenlistment cards, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Probably. We, we wouldn't. I mean, he takes full credit. And I didn't hate the Army. I didn't. I had no, no bad thoughts about it, no bad experiences. You know, I went to Germany after basic training and went to Desert Storm shortly after and came back to Germany and had the time of my life. And I just was like any other young American kid, you know, just came in, served my country and go home. Absolutely. You know, I'd, I don't think anybody really joins the Army or talks to their mom and dad when they're sitting at the table with the recruiter and says, you know, I'm going to do 30 years. You know, you're 16 years old. You don't, you don't have that figured out. Right. You know what I mean? You're just, you're, just, you're just trying to figure out life. And as soldiers and I think as humans, we're all experimental learners, you know, and, uh, and I found a path. That, now, 
if you asked that Private Daly back then if he ever thought he'd be this Army of the Army, I, I th you know, I would have said it would have been a dream, but not a reality. Right. You know. Yeah. So, so let's let's pull the string on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you go from you know, Pennsylvania, growing up, following father's footsteps, mm -hmm. um, inspired by your brother as well. Um, you know, you go back, you get married. Um, you know, you reenlist, and here here you are. You know, coming back from PLDC, you're this NCO that's just been newly pinned on, and you take mm -hmm. that NCO creed. Um, I know we're gonna take an audible here from the script a little bit, but. You know, what was your best experience as a leader at, before you got to some range of the Army? Because we're going to tease that Oh, God. I mean, there's so much time between the, that day I pinned on sergeant, which I still have that first NCO creed signed by my, uh, my battalion sergeant major. Um, I, I can, I'll tell you, I, there, it's hard to pin down one certain moment in your career. Here's what I can say that um, many people may not be able to, but this is honest truth. Um, I never had a bad leader. And... Uh, and there was tough days in the Army, of course. I had five more deployments to Iraq after the one I did in Desert Storm. But I never had a bad day in the Army, you know. Um, and I was probably the luckiest soldier in the world by the fact that every unit that I got assigned to, I somehow fell into the organization that had the best squad leader, the best platoon sergeant, the best first sergeant. I mean, when I was a first sergeant, my battalion sergeant major was a double um, best ranger competition winner. I mean, it just doesn't happen to somebody. Every right. single place I went. I had these incredible leaders that it was hard not to emulate them, you know. Um, and they, not only that, they set the condition for success. And they gave a young kid an opportunity to succeed. Right. And I think that's what's important um, with our leaders today is you don't know what you have until you give an opportunity to someone to show you what they can do. Right. You know, um, and, and I was given that opportunity. And I think that's where people say, hey, you know, how did you become, you know, the senior enlisted guy for the Army? Oh, and I said this in the speech when I took over was, um, well, every, it's everybody in the room that's here today is the reason why I became the Sergeant of the Army. It's not necessarily, of course, on your own um, actions and your own achievements, but it's largely because I was mentored by good people. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things we always talk about is having those good mentors, coaches, and then mm -hmm. advocacy um, in that. So. So when you find out you're going to be Sergeant Major of the Army, you know, what was your focus going in? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I changed um, my outlook on what was important in the Army several times throughout my career. And obviously, as you ascend through the ranks, you get a different optic, right? And you got you have a different viewpoint. You know, if you ask Staff Sergeant Daly what was important in the Army, that was a whole lot different than what, you know, Sergeant Major Daly was when right. he was a battalion CSM or a brigade or a division. I think what really shaped my focus is I came out of Iraq for the last time in 2011. I was a USD North Sergeant Major. Um, and I got a call that said, hey, you need to put your name on the slate to be the trade ops arm major. Okay. Um, and I was not a trade out guy. I did a little stint as a, an instructor, but, you know, I was a SARM first class at the time. That's not trade out. That's an instructor, uh, which is very important, by the way, um, and will not kill your career, by the way, obviously, you know. Right. Um, and I got to be an instructor at the 3rd Infantry Division NCO Academy, which produced three SAR majors of the Army. I mean, all worked at that NCO Academy out of 15. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty, pretty big. Um, and it really shaped my thought process. It, when I came out of Iraq, I thought, you know, um, the best place for me, having had this experience as being a frontline leader in combat and a maneuver guy, an infantry guy for my entire career, you know, I thought my destination was force command, force, force com, or, you know, or one of the combatant commands, our majors. And the leadership of the Army, you know, for some reason, you know, looking at me said, no, you need to go to trade op, 
right? We need this type of experience there. And I was scared. You know, I was, uh, you know, I, I would say if you're not nervous on the first day of school, there's, there's something wrong, so, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I took that nervousness and, and, and empowered myself and started investing heavily into the development of the NCO Corps. And a lot of that focus bled into my time as the SMA, right? Um, because I realized, you know, at the strategic level, there's certain things that you can and cannot impact and focus on those things that you can make a difference. And what's the long-term strategic impact I could make uh, to our NCO Corps in order to make sure that it's not just ready tomorrow, but, you know, in 20 or 30 years. And we're, and we're staying ahead of our peers. I mean, so we've got some um, near-peer adversaries out there that have looked at us and studied us for decades. Right. Um, and every one of them will tell you that they want to build an NCO Corps like the United States Army has, right? Um, and some of them are starting to get there, or at least trying really hard, right? right? And there's some analysis we did about the People's Republic of China and Russia um, showed that if, if we just sit on our laurels, we could be easily outpaced. I mean, that goes for technology, tactics, but also for education, training, and development. So I, I put a lot of focus as both the trade ops are major, which that carried into my tenure as the SMA, on um, redoing the entire enlisted education system. I'm talking about the entire thing. You know, let's start all fresh and let's just lay it all out and see what we can do um, to build a, what we call a progressive and sequential non-commissioned officer professional development system um, that constituted lifelong learning, right? So, it, and so we continue to develop simultaneously um, having been a product of the, the NCO system, I was very upset by the fact that we, we didn't give our kids, and I, I don't mean kids in a bad sense, I mean that, that's in a personal responsibility right. sense, right? That's not in an in a immature sense, that's a, a thing that I use is the fact that I have to remind myself that mothers and fathers expect me to take care of their sons and daughters like right. they would or even better. So I wanted to give the kids um, credit for what they did throughout their career. Because when I grew up, you know, you went to all these schools and, and we have some of, no, we have the best leadership education uh, in America. But yet when you try to transfer that to a college or university, it didn't amount to anything. Right. Right? So, so it, was a, it was a twofer goal. It wasn't just, to, it was not necessarily just to produce degrees, but give soldiers true credit for the experiences, the training and the education, in most regards, world class uh, for what they did throughout their career. So. So that, that drove a little bit of my focus when I was the SMA. Of course, there were some other things, too. That And I think, you know, I tell even in the civilian side that, you know, that I work on is, you know, what I tell folks is as you come in and you're under my care, my job is to make you more marketable than what you came in. That's right. Right. Yeah. So we set them up with all the training, certification, skills that translate to if they mm -hmm. want to go to private industry, they can, right? Yeah. They yeah. go do what they want to do rather than do something because they have to do it, right? So, so no, I applaud you for that. And yeah. you know, so, so how would you sum up your your time as a sergeant major in the army? You know, how was that for you personally? Uh, um, exhausting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, um, as it should be, right? Um, as it should be. There's there's I, there's no words that can describe the feeling of when you're sitting in the chief of staff of the army's office in the Pentagon, and he looks at you and says. I'd like you to be my next army to the army. Um, excitement is obviously one of those words, um, but that excitement lasts about a millisecond, right. literally. And I mean this. Um, and the way I described this in the past, of uh, for someone that's a mother or a father out there, you know, when you're getting ready to have a child, you anticipate the arrival of that child, and you're excited, and you're, in t and you're just, you know, you just, you, you're going to be a, you're going to be a father or a mother, and then when that child comes. The instant you hold that child for the very first time, you realize you need to grow up. Right. 
the world is now different. Absolutely. Um, when the chief of staff of the army looks at you and says, you're the sergeant mate of the army, it's like having 1.2 million children. Right. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, I need to grow up, right? And the army had drew me for that. But you still, uh, humble leaders don't feel that way, right? You, there's, there's, a, there's a goodness in a sense of not, not feel, feeling ready, right? And I always say that's what drives you to work harder to be better every day because um, leadership is not achieved. It's sustained, right? Um, and it, you don't become a leader. You are one. Right. And you have to continue to do the things that got you there in order to, to be a great leader, right? right. Um, and it, but in that situation, it's bigger than Dan Daly. It's the Sergeant Major of the Army. Um, and your actions, your words, the things you do, your influence, the, the authorities you're giving um, now have an effect, a great effect, right? And a lasting effect. Right. Um, and, uh, and so you take it very seriously. And I tell people who were competing to be the SMA after me, I had the group in the room who were eligible. And I said, listen, if you're not willing to um, give your entire life to this, then, then, then don't, don't try to be it. Right. Um, now, we all tell soldiers and their families that they have to have a, a life balance. But in those positions, that's your life. And it should be. Right? Yeah, so, mm -hmm. yeah, so we, we talk about you know, life balance all the yeah. time. right? I don't believe in you know, there being a balance. No, I think there's I think life there's, choices. Yeah, I think there's yeah. an integrated life mm -hmm. continuum, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, just at certain moments in time, yeah. you give more energy to one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. I think in your case, you're giving a lot of energy. Of course. Right? Um, but, yeah. you know, going back to, you know, I met your wife this weekend um, and, and had a conversation with her and saw everything she's doing. Um, and she was just complimenting everything that you were doing. Yeah. Um, so so that's nice to have that partner in that journey yeah. as well. So uh, nothing really gets left behind. But, that's true. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one, one of the things I say is I commend you because you were trying to push the status quo. <laughs> yeah, I tried every of, day. You know, yeah. that time it takes a lot yeah. of energy and time. I was, I was definitely trying to drive it like I stole it. I could tell right. you that. Um and, and so I want to just caveat on something, and this sounds cliche-ish, and people say this all the time, but I can say this with utmost confidence, and I can't stress the importance of, I would not have been this Army of the Army if I had not had Mrs. Daly. Right. This is a type of woman that was more concerned about leaving the Army than this Army of the Army. I mean, she loved it. She quit her job, her career to work full-time as the senior spouse for the Army because uh, the chief's wife uh, wanted to continue on with her career. Right. And she's still doing that to this day. And, and I simply would not have been freed up to be able to do the things that I did throughout my career um, and had the unconditional support of five deployments. Um, I made her a single mother for 10 years of our life. I mean, not, not by separation, but right. obviously because of deployments and things like that. And she raised our beautiful son, who is a rocket scientist that works for NASA today, you know, on the Artemis team. I don't know how she achieved all that stuff, but uh, she literally was the spouse that gave me the ability to go out there and say yes to every hard assignment, say yes to everything that uh, I otherwise probably gave her a million reasons to not stay. Right. But, uh, and she's still there today. So, that, and that's important, I think. And back to the life choice, which I don't, you know, I think there's life choices. There's not work-life balance. And in the military, if, I think that young couples struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And and I think I've learned that what they have to do is realize there's going to be sacrifices. You're a soldier, right? right. And uh, you got to live for today. And uh, and you have to make life choices 
and you have to accept the fact that this is your life. Right. This duty station is our life. This is where we're going to be. It's right. not going to be the same PTA, the same soccer club, the same high schools and schools uh, like suburban America has. But when you come to um, you know, gripped with the fact that this is your life and you accept it and then you, and then you make the best of it, right. it's one of the most rewarding you know, lives in, in, that you could possibly have. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, so I grew up a military kid, right, and mm -hmm. uh, also spent time in the Army. And as a civilian, we've moved a lot, right? I think yeah. my daughter's lived in three countries. She's nine, <laughs> right? Um, but what yeah. we find is, like, the reach that we have as leaders, though, because of being able to move and all those meaningful connections, right, that we have from a lifetime and that networking that we, we, we do. And um, is, I think we're all better for it because we get to impact so many people. And, I, and our children, too. I saw that in my son. Now, I'm a little parochial. I'm his father. I'm proud of him. Um, but his maturity level um, to those that didn't have the vast experiences that he had moving across the country, living in different states, attending different schools, all of which is hard. And it's, and it's hard individually for him as a person, you know, making new friends and doing those things. But when I dropped him off at college and I looked around at the other thousands of young men and women that were there. Looking terrified. And my son wasn't. He was confident, capable, and used to it. I mean, he was, he was used to making new friends. He was used to new environments. He was used to the, to the, to the, to the tough, you know, stressful things. And I think that's what carried him through. I, at least it was a big contributor to his success of, of um, being independent too, and not having a father for almost 10 years of his life. Right. I mean, so it's, it's, and it's hard um, when you're trying to maintain a fatherhood um, because there's things you can't replace, right? right? There's things that there's mentorship as a young man from your father that you can't replace in the absence of, of that person. Right. Um, and mom really stepped in and did a great job throughout, throughout oh, right. his life. Yeah. Well, kudos to Holly Daly. Yeah. Yeah. She you did know, good. She made, she made yeah. it happen, raised a, a rocket scientist and mm -hmm. she held it down. So, um, all right, so you've transitioned from Sergeant Major to the Army. You've retired. Now you're with uh, the Association of the United States Army. Yeah. Um, and what's your role in, in, at the AUSA? So I have the honor of being the Vice President for NCO and Soldier Programs at the Associated United States Army, focused solely um, on NCO and Soldiers. Now, people will say that's just enlisted, and so a soldier is an E-1 through an O-10. Um, but we all work together at AUSA, right? Mm -hmm. So there is no linear structure in our association. It is what we call it more functional structure, right? Mm -hmm. So even though we have titles and we have directorates and we have people that work directly for us, mm -hmm. the entire team is there to educate, inform, and connect America's army with America and its people, right? So, so, so let me ask you, so what does success look like for you in this role? Yeah, um, and I'm trying to figure that every day. I'm mm -hmm. trying to get better at what we're doing. I think success for me is, um, the understanding by every soldier in the United States Army that there's a professional organization that is there to take care of them um, and represent them as a profession, a soldier profession in the United States Army. Um, and people, you know, can gauge metrics by things like membership, right? And I, I would love every soldier in the Army to become a member of AUSA, right? But, uh, but more important to me is um, that they understand that there is a professional organization of which they can be part of. And whether they want to be a member or not, we're still going to take care of them. Right. Um, I was blessed to come to this job, and I got great guidance when I retired. You know, when you're a sergeant of the army, there's a lot of people calling and going, "Hey, will you come work for us?" And yeah. I quickly realized that um, they didn't want Dan Daly; right. they wanted the, the title. Right. You know, they wanted the 15th SMA. Um, and there was good money that was coming with those calls. I mean, very good money to me as enlisted soldier. I call it stupid money, you know, because mm -hmm. it's money I've never known. And, right. 
And the great thing about being a list of soldier is you're used to being broke. So there's other things in life that make you happy. And right. you learn that, right? You don't need money to be happy because especially when you grow up without it as a child and then being in the army. And I realized very quickly that I was the richest guy in the world because I didn't measure myself by monetary means. It was by experiences in life and opportunities I was given. And I was told by one of my previous bosses, and I consider to be one of the greatest leaders I ever worked for, General Retired uh, Perkins. He said, hey, listen, in the SMA, you can get a job. He said, but the great job is going to find you. Yeah. Just, just relax. So I went home. You know, I just went back home to my hometown after being the sergeant of the Army and packed up the old PCS truck one last time, and, and, uh, and the phone rang. Right. And it was um, retired General Carter Ham. Okay. And uh, he said, hey, what do you think about coming to work for us in AUSA? Now, I wasn't excited about going back to D.C. Not, it's a wonderful city. Right, but it is. Oh, uh, 95 it's, is, is it's tragic. Oh, it's a hustle it's and tragic. bustle every day, right? right? And, uh, but he asked me to come down and have dinner with him so we could talk about what I was doing. And when he, when he told me what I would do, I said yes. And I remember traveling back home, PA, and walking the house. And of course, my wife said, Hey, so what'd you do? I said, I took the job. And she looks at me as an Army spouse who's always got her stuff together right. and says, So where are we going to live and how much are you going to make? I said, I don't know. I forgot to ask. And she said, I, you're the same infantry private I married 30 right, years ago. Right. Right? And, uh, but you know what she said to me? She goes, we'll figure it out. Right. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So we loaded up the truck and moved back to Beverly. You know what I mean? Uh, um, and I'll tell you what, it was a really good decision. Uh, I, I'm glad I didn't chase money. I'm glad I came back to um, being with soldiers because I wasn't done being a soldier. Right. I just ran out of jobs. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but the purpose is always there, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's why yeah. we do it, right? Yeah. And, you know, being part of the Association of the United States Army and all the great things that we do that we could do 20 podcasts about. I mean, it's right. hard to explain. I would encourage our listeners just to go check it out at AUSA.org. But um, the good news is I still got Army in my title. And uh, and all the army clothes I own are still valid, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I could put on my army uniform. I'd be a body paint at this point. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't put mine on because I donated it. Because right. you know, one of the things I did was bring back the pinks and greens, um, and I I did have the prototype uniform for the army, so now it belongs to the army museum. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, you know, we're coming up on time here. So uh, I always do this. I leave the last thoughts yeah. to the the person I'm interviewing. You know, so if you could give a piece of advice to all the young professional soldiers out there, you know, what would that be? Yeah, I would say is um, you never will realize your full potential until you really try hard to do that. And it's not doesn't come easy. Nothing in life becomes easy. And don't expect it to. Um, and don't ever worry about where you're going to go two or three trips down the road because your passion, your drive will get you there. Focus on what you're doing now and be the best you can at what you're doing. And I don't care if you're the private in the unit. Be the best private in the unit. If you're a squad leader, you should be the best squad leader in the battalion. And, and if you're a first sergeant, your job is to be the best first sergeant you possibly can be. And people will notice, right? And I, I, I started with the fact that I'm the sergeant of the Army because I, I was lucky to be mentored. I didn't even have to go find it. I was lucky to be mentored by the best leaders in the Army. And I mean that, completely lucky. And you may not be as lucky, but they're out there. Right. And you know them when you see them. So go find them. Absolutely. Ask them if they'll mentor you. And I promise you that experience will um, pay itself over and over and over again. I still mentor soldiers today. E4s. Um, I'm mentoring a cadet in West Point right now. Um, and they all came to me and just walked up and said, would you be mentor? Would you mentor me? 
Um, and it's just a rewarding experience for both the mentor and the mentee. And um, everybody's got potential. All you have to do is go out there and work hard to find it. Absolutely. So there you have it, everyone. That's uh, Sergeant Major of the Army, Dan Daly. Um, so uh, for all of our return listeners, thank you for uh, being uh, uh, avid listeners of Leadership is Tricky. Um, and for those that are the first time here, welcome. Um, and we'll see you guys in uh, the next couple episodes. Um, so uh, we're on all major podcast platforms. Uh, visit uh, AUSA.org if you want to get more information about the Associated United States Army, as well as leadershipistricky.com. All right. Thanks, Sergeant Major. Thanks, Eric. All right. Peace.